Welcome to the Rumpus Room. Hey everybody, how's it going out there? It's the boys from the Midwest back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room, and let's hit them with a takeaway message of the day. I've been reading a ton of books on military strategy, and I think I've, for me, the most important thing that I've taken away is what's called the OODA loop. Have you ever heard of that? Mm -mm. So John Boyd was a, they called him 42nd Boyd. Because he was a fighter pilot and he could be in a compromised position. So somebody on his tail and in 40 seconds, he could get back into be on your tail and he never lost. Okay. So he came up with a really, and it's, so there, there's a book Robert Cochran wrote about him. It's a terrific book and it talks about him and his decision-making and his whole war theory, which is like guerrilla warfare. So the OODA loop is kind of like the comp. This is just how he boiled it down. So the first step, the, it's O-O-D-A. It's observe, orient, decide, and act. And what he is a big proponent of is your goal is to shorten your loop to be shorter than your enemies. Sure. So you make decisions quicker and you act quicker before the enemy makes their decision. So you have all of the information at the appropriate time. That's the biggest thing is to make the decision. So like if you're competing with somebody, he said your goal is to shorten your loop mm -hmm. to be shorter. And that's why, you know, now companies are really getting into this because you have the most recent relevant updated information versus somebody who maybe has a longer decision cycle. Sure. Like big companies versus little companies. Um, well, I was I was wondering if you have read that Mattis book yet because he does actually talk about the OODA loop. For and sure. I was trying to remember exactly where it came from. But, yeah, mm -hmm. he's uh, he talks about how he sets up his command to be such that you have distributed decision-making and, um, you know, like these small feedback loops, autonomy for the people on the ground. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't need to go through higher-ups and whatever. Yep, and that's that is that's kind of the business management side of it and that book that, that actually you gave me for Christmas is terrific because it's a good way to put in perspective. How do you apply that to a company? And what I took away from that book is the leaders on top just convey intent. So they don't yep. give direction. They convey intent of yep. like, we want to take over the hill, go take over the hill yep. and you figure out how to take it over. And it, I don't care what you do. And they give good examples of like how Blitzkrieg was one of the best, most powerful strategies. Cause what happens is with, with um, less troops, what you would do is you would really get into the enemy and throw them off. So you'd get in their kind of weak areas and just keep going and keep going and keep going. I mean, the Nazis, a lot of them were on meth at that point, so <laughs> yeah. that's why they kept going. But um, that's kind of the strategy is to just keep making decisions and keep pushing and just keep finding the weakness or your strong point and keep pushing and pushing. Well, I think that's such an interesting topic because you know you and I being in small business world obviously straddling that you know intent and the actual execution all mm -hmm. of the time you are the only one there so you're doing pretty much everything right? yes mm -hmm. um, I like hearing about how these people apply these concepts to bigger companies because I participate with you know a lot of clients who have you know multiple hundreds of employees or whatever but um, thinking about this in the context of a startup when you're perhaps a one-man show is 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 really challenging because like, mm -hmm. um you don't have that structure mm -mm. you know mm -hmm. and so I, I i see that uh frustration with a lot of people who are new in the startup game where that direction isn't there the intent comes from you but also the execution comes from mm -hmm. you there's 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 really there's really nothing and what i like about the mattis book is he talked about how to apply that freedom within structure because that's mm -hmm. in my opinion one of the things that almost all of the corporations that i ever worked for lacked was yes. that sort of like you know here's your objective go do it it was always like run it up the chain of command and get the okay or really run it up the chain of command and have somebody shit on it and then not yeah. do it and then just go back to doing the same old shit that you have been doing for the last 20 years and then get beat and, <laughs> and then yeah, buy the company that's over. beating you yep. <laughs> no and that's yeah. that's like i feel like the death the slow death of a big company 
is once they stop doing that. And I think larger companies do a better job of that. And the ones, and it's interesting because when you, when you, from a culture standpoint, start hanging out with a larger company and you see some of these decision loops, um, it's an area for opportunity. And I will say in the current business that I'm in, I have had experience with some of kind of quote our competitors and what decisions and how long it takes them to make decisions. And I think that is a very significant strategic advantage for the future is knowing this is how culturally they are and this is a space to to live in. And this is where you can go and make some waves and at least make decisions and just make a product and try it and keep doing it. And I think can you give me an example of one of those perhaps like decisions that you have seen other people perhaps forego because of this issue mm-hmm. or like where you've been able to exploit or where you've been able to be nimble because of the fact that, you know, give like a tangible example without yeah, so giving one of away them, too much. I won't give away know. a lot, but what I'll say is right now it seems like the problem with, we'll just, we'll go in healthcare. There's, somebody that is paying for it that is extremely frustrated and there are a lot of different people that are delivering the services these these people that are delivering the services though aren't communicating with the people that are paying for the product Mm -hmm. so there's a big huge gap in information that's getting to them so what they don't realize is in their quest to make more money they're not solving the actual customer problem and they're not updating with the newest technologies because they're self-interested in making more money in the short term rather than how do we make our product as good as possible and i've found when working with larger we'll just call it like stagnant organizations because there's ones that are out there that are gonna they're gonna mobilize and do well but what i'm thinking of is like radio shack type companies sure which are producing the same thing and expecting to produce the same thing in the future. Mm-hmm. And when you meet with them, they aren't in the, the way they approach meetings is they don't ask you questions. They just give you answers on why the way they're doing it is the best way. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, cause right now we're negotiating with some of these people to try to use some of their services and some of them get it and some of them don't. And, you know, being on kind of one step closer to kind of the funding source you really realize what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I think you can see how decision-making just takes a really long time and they don't try new things. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what I've walked away from and said, this is a big area of opportunity. Let's jump in and see what we can do. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of companies that are afraid to do things, you know, education, healthcare, mm-hmm. um, government, government. Uh, mm-hmm. you've got a lot of, uh, nerd alerts going on in Las Vegas right now for the CES conference. And uh, boy, there have been some fascinating inventions to come out. So just to give everybody a background, CES, if you're not as nerdy as we are, is Consumer Electronics Show. And what it is, is it's the biggest... It's the biggest consumer conference. Yeah, like around technology and whatever. It's the biggest technology conference in the world, basically. Yeah, and it's... it's, uh, it's a gathering I, someday it would be kind of funny to go if it weren't such a probably just an absolute re- ridiculous gong show like I couldn't even imagine but um, we were just riffing on this one idea before because Uber and Hyundai launched a, a flying car initiative which um, I was I was frustrated with when I saw it because Uber knows nothing about aerodynamics I mean no Uber is a glorified as far as we know scheduling application. I'm sure they hired somebody from Boeing or from, you know, the Kitty Hawk thing at Google. Wasn't or that from, what they did with uh like Google? They just hired somebody that was an AI expert or there was a huge case where they just because they have money, they try to hire outside of their specialty. Yeah, which is I'm sure what Uber did, but when I when I look at a flying vehicle, and I understand it's under the guise of a taxi, but like it's not like Boeing couldn't create a, f- a scheduling, a scheduling app. app to meet up somebody who's in the area with another with another asset. Well, don't they area. already have? The, like, are you like Delta is a different a 
Delta already does Delta that. Delta does that with your effing bag. You get on your airplane Bing. and they already have, I mean, it's ridiculous. Quick. So. so what was really interesting is so I was talking to a flight attendant the other day and she said what's really annoying now for them is they have less information than the passengers do. Interesting. So they said it's a big customer service problem and they she said they just went through a ton of training because people will know the flight hey, is my- delayed before they will. Oh. And so then they'll have to like, "Oh, let me check on that." And they're like then people get pissed cuz they're like, "We don't even know." And she's like the the information to them is to you on your app is uh-huh. now more than they can they get as a flight attendant. Can you imagine being a flight attendant? And they're like, oh, we're going to close doors and take off. And some jackass comes up from the back of the plane and goes, my bag's not on. <laughs> what Hold do you on. mean? I didn't get a notification. My, uh, bag's, my bag's not on the plane. It has not Stop. been loaded. Stop. Don't leave. It's not loaded. What do you do? What do you do as a flight attendant? Oh, sure, sir. I'm, I'm sure sorry. You know, yeah. perhaps it didn't get scanned, but it is there. We're just going to wait and see. No. Yeah. Like, just, ugh. Well, it, and you know, so our favorite is the Delta. If you go before you before you fly, this is kind of, I think, I don't think we've talked about this before. There's always the guys that are standing right next to the gate. Yeah. Like the, the guys that, ons. the first ons that have their passenger tag that want everybody to know they fly a lot. Mm-hmm. They all look the same. They usually, what their outfit is, is they have a roller bag with a Wall Street Journal from their their hotel that they're staying in earlier. Some of them wear tennis shoes to show you they're relaxed right now. They've changed. Mm-hmm. But they always are either on a phone call and are talking really loud and kind of turn around, but they sit right next to the gate where you line up for sky priority. And sure. they always sit there and they're, you know, we always, you know, friends will take pictures of these types of folks because they're at every gate, mm-hmm. every flight. There's a guy and they, that they always have ants in their pants and they're always ready to roll. Yep. That would be one of the guys to say it. I was chuckling because um, I was at the airport the other week and I ran across a, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was like international parts salesman travel day or what, because every single guy I saw in the airport was jeans, polo, like sort of work boots, sort of regular you know, regular shoes. The polo had the brand of the product that he was selling and he was flying around and he was a, he was a salesman. And I I don't know, it was just for whatever reason, I just caught like 20 of them in a row all walking around MSB airport and Mm -hmm. just keep an eye out for those salesmen next time who are, who are selling like industrial machinery Oh yeah, you know, or whatever. Cause those guys fly all the time too. Oh, I know. They put massive hours in massive hours. It's crazy. If you sit and talk to some of these people about how much they fly. I mean, they're mm-hmm. on two to three flights a week sometimes. Mm-hmm. But you think about accruing miles, those guys are way up there. That's one way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe you'll be able to accrue miles on your Uber Hyundai taxi. We were, we were chatting about this earlier, mm-hmm. um, about how much chaos it would be if there was flying tiny helicopters. Let's be honest, a, a all of the new drone concepts for flying taxis are just smaller helicopters. Because it's no, a four-person there's no, ride. There's no, in, there's no new technology that is enabling them to Be go invisible. anti-gravity. <laughs> I mean, this, like, invisible taxis. You still have to play with physics. The invisibility here. cloak. Yeah, I the, think somebody's working on that at CES. Uh, that could be a fun joke. Is like what could be the nerdiest thing that you just bring to CES that's just not true. Yeah, that would be funny. Like... The invisibility cloak would be a good one. One thing, or the see-through cloak, <laughs> the just see- like a piece of saran wrap. <laughs> this cloak, you can see through it. You, yeah, I think, well, I think the concept of the air taxi, we were kind of talking about this earlier. I mean, do you want to look up in the sky and see, you know, a thousand bugs flying around? They would be loud. I they think it'd be, be so loud. loud. And it would be like, you want to look at the sky. You don't want to look at, I think it's, that would be more incentive to move out of the city than I think anything else. It would. And it would be extremely fun for target practice. Although they would have to have, think about it, complete surveillance over the entire town because they would record if there was ever any sort of like projectile that came from the ground. So you'd have kids shooting slingshots 
at these things up in the sky, hmm. going to jail for whatever reason. Yeah, you know? I'm sure they know exactly who they are too. Well, it was I was reading this. Uh, um, I finished my book at the airport, so I had to succumb to whatever was available. <laughs> um, I don't know if any of you listeners out there are familiar. So we watched a lot of James Bond growing up. I mean. To the point where a lot of James Bond is not saying it enough. <laughs> we, we watch James Bond all. We the would time. wear those movies out if it was possible to wear a DVD out or a, a VHS. We were in that side of things, so. Um, but we did, as young kids, we were forced to shut our eyes during the sex scenes, mm-hmm. or or hands over the eyes. Hands over the eyes. <laughs> um, anyway, but uh, so there was this book series by the late. Um, God, you know him, the Mitch Rapp series, Vince Flynn. Yeah, mm-hmm. Vince Flynn was a Minnesota guy who Midwest guy. Yep, lived across the street from Kevin Garnett, I believe. Mm-hmm. Had an insane security system and took his uh, took his CIA writings into his home. Apparently, so much so that well, anyway, not going to go there. He um, he perished, and they're continuing his series under other ghostwriters. Mm-hmm. So I picked up his latest novel, you know, his latest series, and it was it was it's a quick read. It's a standard, you know, sort of like page turner, page turner spy it's like the, novel. It's, it's like this is what a Netflix series was to us when we were younger. Yeah. of like binging because mm-hmm. like you get to the end of the chapter and you're like, God, I, I can find just out keep what going. happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's two a.m. and you've read. 350 pages yeah and, and there's like there's like a quarter inch between the lines so yeah <laughs> you just yeah, fly and you get carpal tunnel syndrome when you're reading the book flipping a page every two sec two minutes yeah. <laughs> getting dehydrated from licking your fingers so much oh i know but um so uh god i don't even remember where i was going with that oh yeah here we go so um the they made this comment about how there was this surveillance thing happening and um it was in russia and it was a cloudy sky so the cia was not able to like monitor the performance because they were like oh shit it's raining you know mm-hmm. we're screwed we can't do anything and i thought that was so interesting because i was like well if let's just extrapolate that 20 years from now there's probably going to be satellite imagery on every single corner of the world 24 7 mm-hmm. so if it's a cloudy day you're like hey mom's not watching <laughs> Yeah, yeah mom's at home. That's let's go I, to the candy drawer. Let's go. Let's start a fight. Let's yeah. pick on our brother. Yeah. Let's rate the candy yeah, drawer. Like, let's knock some stuff over. Let's let the dog out. Oh, yeah. Let's let the dog poop and not pick it up. Uh, not get it fine. Uncle Sam is not is not home right now. Nope. Well, one start, thing that's, the, start the riots. Well, one thing that's crazy is I watched a Vice episode on the cameras in China and how they're publicly shaming people. So you jaywalk, and they'll put your, they'll find you, and then they'll Jeez. put your picture because they'll they can match it up because the facial recognition is so mm-hmm. nuts that they'll put your name on the street sign to try to shame you publicly. Wow. Well, it's it's been a it's been a great tactic for liquor stores for generations when they put oh, yeah. the, the photographs of people who have stolen stuff. Uh, I think it's more for the employees to keep watch, but still, it's kind of funny. I, you know, you go into a store, oh, there's yeah. big, mug shots of folks who have like. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the uh, do not do not serve list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then I kind of was extrapolating it. Maybe that's why Bezos set up his shop in uh, in Seattle because it's cloudy all the time, so the oh, Russians yeah, won't be able him. to watch what he's doing. Probably, maybe, maybe he's uh, playing chess, and we're all playing checkers. We are right all now. playing checkers because he's. <laughs> he's I mean, the most advanced. You think Bill Gates is there too? Maybe Gates these is there. Guys know. Cloud cover. Mm-hmm. Third year three thousand is going to be about cloud cover, <laughs> or 2100. Mm-hmm. 20, 20, yeah. is going to be about cloud cover. Cloud cover. Well, so the Saudi Chinese, Arabia is basically maybe that's making That's what the whole, whole pollutant thing is. Maybe maybe the Chinese are like. Oh, we're, we're done with this surveillance state. Yeah. Let's just gas them. <laughs> let's just, let's just <laughs> smoke them out. <laughs> smoke them up. Well, I know Saudi Arabia or one of those countries is making rain clouds. Huh? They make rain. I would imagine it would be the Saudis because at this point, there's no shortage of research and development. Somebody was capital. telling me they have so much money. Yeah, there. well, Aramco just went public. Mm-hmm. There's so much money there that 
it's more money than we would even know about here. Like it dwarfs all of our billionaires, apparently. Because somebody yeah. was saying that oligarchs in Russia and people in the Saudi, like the world's richest men don't hold a candle to those guys because they have so much money. Well, the... Uh, I, I heard, don't think this was a CNN article. I, but. I heard the other day that um, Saudi Arabia is the only country in the world with excess oil capacity, meaning they produce... 10 million barrels a day I believe mm -hmm. and have the ability to produce 12.5 million barrels a day whoa and all of the other countries have like these stockpiles mm -hmm. so reservists yeah but um, the US just eclipsed the uh, Saudi Arabia as the largest oil producing country in the world so they were doing this kind of segment on it and I thought that was pretty interesting because the US cannot ramp up oil production hmm. oil production is currently at its capacity it's Saudi Arabia can be like oh just turn it on turn it on just put it on four instead of three <laughs> <laughs> one more <laughs> one more guys uh, so there wasn't a whole lot of uh, wasn't a whole lot of petroleum investment uh, gadgets at CES but I doubt it well the impossible burger guy was out there telling everybody that he's the most important tech company of our generation which we've bold never heard that one statement. before jeez louise well what did he such say such a bold that statement we're the most important he said we're the most important technology company around today I yeah think. because of cow farts <laughs> yeah. that's his logic uh well i mean anyway there luckily they'll become pretty obsolete because there was a robot air purifier that was just released. Mm. And so think of a Roomba where the Roomba finds pockets of dirt in the house, correct? Oh, yeah. And then it scoots its little butt over there. Rips it up. Now you have air purifiers mm. with mobile capabilities. <laughs> So, drone you, drone air purifiers. Can you imagine sitting in your living room and letting a fart rip and having a robot come over right next to you and start breathing? I tell you who that would make happy is some of our significant others. I think what are the? I was thinking about this the other day. One of my favorite silent but deadly would be gone. Oh, it would be silent but known. Yeah, yeah. It would be silent but obtrusive. One of one of my favorite pastimes has been to kind of agitate my significant other with certain things. Bodily functions. Bodily functions are always exciting, and I think sure. that may be a passed down habit. Could of be. Like that's the, a, could the be burp, a learned. The learned. Could be a learned reaction. Yeah, I don't a learned think that's trait. A DNA trait. <laughs> well, given given epigenetics. Given epigenetics, there could be a point that in our genetic strain at this point, it's re actually represented. Like the, For sure, yeah. The desire to disrupt people close to you using <laughs> using sounds and smells. <laughs> bodily noises. <laughs> bodily functions. <laughs> oh, and I just think... I, and I was doing it the other day, teasing teasing my significant other and just having a good old time, big old smiles, <laughs> laughing. And I just thought about how much enjoyment I get out of it. It's just like, there's not a lot of other things that I get that much enjoyment about. It's just frustrating the old. And then when you talk to some of your friends, they do the same thing. Like the old, oh, you're in the bed and you rip one off and then you pull the covers over. Sure. The like Dutch that's oven. a classic move. Classic move. Classic move. Everybody does it. Or even... I'm at the point where you, I can just give the Dutch oven look, and she already freaks out. You know. And oh yeah. That's that's. If you go word. for the cover grab, she knows what's happening. Oh, there, you're, there's an audible scream. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I don't know what it is, but maybe that's a passed down trait. Of, I don't know. I don't know just who got that angering one. others. Maybe our listeners will let us know if that's something that they look forward to. But the old teasing game of using bodily functions is i think that's provocation in the ooda loop that's, <laughs> yeah. that's well it really it's it's a short circuit to um to attention for sure i will say that oh yeah and uh we stayed with some friends of ours this past week and their dog is young and just excitable so excitable but also it does stuff that it knows it's bad for mm -hmm. attention 
Mm. And they're trying to break that cycle. And it's just so frustrating to see and be around too because the dog is really kind of annoying. You know, I mean, it destroys shit. You have to be very careful. It eats things and it eats things because it knows it's going to get attention. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's just a frustrating dolphin trainers deal with that. I was reading about this the other day. Hmm. They ignore the dolphin. You just ignore the dolphin. Oh, so the, when it misbehaves, you ignore. And so you don't reinforce with attention because then dolphins are smart and are, you know, just like dogs. Yep. And so I was reading an article on the dolphin trainers, how they just basically turn their attention away. That's their, like, instead of saying no to a dolphin, they just turn their attention away and just ignore them. That's a good idea. We've been doing that with our dog. And how's it working? It's working. She's falling in line more. That's good. And she's, how old is she? Five. Five still. So you can teach an old dog new tricks because you're you're teaching a 35 year old woman how to behave. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not recommended. Yeah. <laughs> That's an uphill battle. Yeah, that uh-huh. one's a big swing and a miss there. Yeah. It comes back twofold if you do that. You need more prefrontal cortex if you're going to play that game. Yeah. You can't oh, be on man. the same playing field. No. You're... No, your OODA loop better be working real fast. Unless you're going to go ahead and introduce some bodily function into the yeah, mix. Yeah, that always... See, talk about guerrilla warfare. You spice warfare. it up. And you spice it up. It goes back to our guerrilla warfare argument. Yep. It's something they don't expect. And they also, it's like... How do you get into your enemy's head? It's a good way to get it's in there. Chemical warfare, that's what it is. <laughs> it's all this war. It's reading these war books. It's yeah. Really listening to Saddam Hussein, all of his things. Anyways, this this uh um this robot purifier will go to the sections of your house that are lower air quality hmm. and suck up the air and do its thing. It's it's a very interesting concept, but I, I think I it would be odd to have that like I and, I and I suppose it maybe it's just representative of the thing will move from one room to the next when it's done or whatever mm-hmm. but it would be very odd if uh, it just parked right in the bathroom outside <laughs> just, <laughs> just follows around a certain you individual gotta ch- you gotta change the filter every time you every couple of weeks or whatever well, Uncle Dan's back watch the thing follow it the entire time <laughs> Yeah, or you have company over. Yeah, they just, that would be quite the uh, oh. the air purifier just follows the person, <laughs> the one around. person around. <laughs> Welcome to our home. Let me just shut off our air purifier. Well, I think the next, you know, the next level of you know technology is kind of the big hub. I think the next craze is going to be these companies that make like the climate better or are pushing the envelope. I just think there's kind of a a generational shift like impossible foods is trying to be this you know big all we're going to save the world company and i think there's going to be a big like tesla's do i mean tesla now is the most valuable yeah i saw that they're company more ever worth, well they're worth more than gm and um and ford Nissan. combined mm-hmm. yeah, yeah they're well their stock price is 43 hmm. 430 sorry right now it was a good buy i'm still sitting on that bad buy. yeah no kidding which that is it's interesting because somebody was telling me i should sell a while ago and i just said you know there's so much technology that they have well and i just think the future's got to be electric oh it you is know, i, don't, I, I that, just that, don't that think that we're going back no you know it's going to be so it's like and i was thinking about that the other day like somebody asked me about my investment portfolio strategy and i was kind of like well it's kind of hard to argue with renewable energy yes. i mean any sort of yeah geothermal yeah. solar And I was talking to a guy who was in San Francisco. So it's one of my significant other's family members, very smart guy, young, smart, startup-y type guy. And he's working at, like what they do is there's a lab which creates molecules, which they can create things more efficiently. So what they do is they just create like broccoli. And so they make broccoli more efficient than growing broccoli sure so i feel like that's a huge huge frontier frontier of Mm -hmm. how do we for less make things that haven't and for me the difficult thing is like the nutritional value of that can it like can we even measure the nutritional value that you get which i think there's a lot to be explored in that area yeah my uh hesitation is that or I guess my concern is that I think that we are somewhat hamstrung by our ability to measure. Yes. Scientific method is mm-hmm. undoubtedly very 
one of the greatest, if not the greatest invention of our time. Mm -hmm. But when you look at like all of what we don't know, all of that we can't measure, mm -hmm. we it's it's unquestionable. Like thumbnail versus exactly. Yeah, what we're, is out there. We're a we're a drop in the ocean in terms of what is available to perhaps like you know think that we have some sort of understanding of. Mm -hmm. And so when we start to do this, perhaps it has the same caloric and sort of like measurable genetic composition. Mm -hmm. But again, that's not telling you what's unmeasurable. I mean, we already have a disconnection to the earth. So, yeah, you know, exactly. now you start having, I, I, it'd just be interesting to see what the long-term impacts of that are because I do think there's something to be said about shooting an animal that you eat. Mm -hmm. I think there's a greater appreciation. I think there's a greater sense of accomplishment. I think that um, there's a grounding component to it. Mm -hmm. If everything that you came from came from a drawer in a lab, you know, in your home, mm -hmm. it's just a, it's a, it will have a unique set of, of um, mental, emotional, physical challenges that we have yet to, that what we have I think, really yet to understand. I mean, this is going out on a limb here, but we're just overpopulating the earth. If we can't feed it naturally with, yeah with animals so here's what one thing that's really interesting so i've been i'm way into wolf documentaries over this break and what was interesting is how when you introduce wolves the vegetation got way better way because better. Yep. You have an deer eat everything yep. and so what happens is they're finding our ecosystem works really really well and with with predators with predators like the ecosystem naturally works how it should mm-hmm but if we introduce these things, you know, more human beings, sure, I think there's going to be a tipping point of, you know, what is what are too what's too many people, and that's a long way to think, and there's a lot of social issues that we have to deal with with that. Sure. But I think we're starting to understand better how close we are getting to, you know, what is what's too many, what is too much. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I believe in the ingenuity of human beings such that mm -hmm. if we really hit that critical point, we'll be able to sort of amend, or at least I, I like to be on that side of the hopefulness. Yeah. But you brought up an interesting point earlier about um, Greta Thunberg. Do you want to, because we're on the climate thing. So Yeah, so speaking of climate, time of the year voted, how do you say last name? Time Greta person, Thunberg. Greta Thunberg, I don't know. So she is, I think, 13 or 14 years old. Uh, I think she's 17, 16, 17. She's older now. Yeah. So she gave a very impassioned speech about climate change. And I, straight judgment, was like, oh, here we go again. This is just another, you know, 15 minutes of fame type sure. deal. I didn't really, I heard the speech and then I was like, wow, she's really, really freaking mad. She's emboldened. She's really, and then what I saw, which kind of got me thinking is... She went on Ellen and they talked about how she's on the spectrum, which that actually to me made a much more of a positive impact because for me, I saw that energy she was putting into and she rode over on a sailboat, took trains all the way to LA from Sweden. So she's doing what she says she's going to do, which you don't have that type of commitment from a lot of these kind of flash in the pan type sure. advocates advocates. And I think it's just, a, I can see why they picked her as the person of the year. And I thought it was interesting how my trust level increased when I started learning more about her, which was, which was interesting because that's, I think a good omen of our society. If we're choosing somebody like that, that's doing all these really cool things. Yeah, it um well when you look at uh you know sort of the Asperger's type mm -hmm. symptoms you have sort of decreased or altered social functioning sort of less um social consideration mm -hmm. or um yeah. so or, or even self-awareness self perhaps which which could be a really good thing because um we make decisions for social reasons of what other people will think about us a that, lot. And there and there is 
there is a purity in the way that she speaks where it really is about the issue. It really it's is. It's not about Greta Thunberg no. talking about climate change. No, it's not about her. Which is so refreshing because exactly. so often it's about the person talking about climate change or it's about the person talking about the Australian it's fires. It's a platform. To it's blah, a platform blah, 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 blah. to get more followers. All of a sudden and, I'm going for and get you know, out, Congress. And ride that and, Twitter rave and yeah. then, geez, Louise. Let's see how many followers. All of a sudden I'm sponsored by Evian. Yep. And, you know. And then thank you. Brown underwear. Yeah, and thank you for Ricky Gervais for putting out that sixty second absolute F you to the entire That was a bombshell. All of Hollywood. That was that a bombshell. Was so you want to give everybody an update on what we thought of that one? Oh, I thought that was remarkable. So Ricky Gervais does his eight minute monologue, and if you haven't seen his eight minute monologue, I'd recommend it today. It's just, worth it. just go on to um, YouTube and check it out. It's funny. Golden Globes 2020. Yep. And the last minute of his speech, he goes, um, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase because obviously he's going to say it in a much more funny and eloquent way, but he basically says, um, all of you effing Hollywood stars, you don't know anything about the real world. Don't use this as a platform. Get your award and F off. Thank your agent. Thank your Thank agent. Your Thank your God. And get off the and stage. And F off the stage. You know less about the real world than pretty much anybody. You've been in school for less than Greta Thunberg. And I thought that was so refreshing because not a single person has said it. It still didn't deter he also, several. His, did you hear what he, when he called out Apple? Yep, he, he said, called out Apple. He yeah, said he basically said like, He said if, if ISIS started a streaming service, you would be calling your agent to go there. Yeah, I mean, he... He, he really just ripped into these people. He did. And um, there were still people talking about the Australian fires and still mm-hmm. the need to vote and blah, blah, blah. All the social messages came out. But um, it was refreshing for somebody to finally say, let's stop all this self-aggrandizing bullshit. Mm-hmm. I mean, come it on. is time now in a great like a, to have him as one of I'd say arguably one of the most respected comedians to deliver that message I think is powerful and these things take time to kind of work through so it's not going to happen now but I think people are going to think twice about it and if that message continually gets ripped in yeah I at least it was again um, first wave stuff never works Mm -hmm. seen it first wave civil rights women's rights I mean the first MySpace, uh, yeah, social media, um, the '60s in terms of like you know sort of the flower generation, mm-hmm. um, and now that's really sort of like taking a foot in terms of changing the culture, mm-hmm. right? You know, but um, first wave stuff never works, but it shares the information across a broad spectrum of people. It's the second wave stuff. So it's going to require some other person or some other force to like take that message and be like, all right, let's, let's really actually change our behavior now. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see plenty of political messages at the, at no, the it's Oscars. not going to stop because, it, no. you know, of course, and it's a great way to trumpet your own horn to be like, I am, Oh, you I'm know, not the here crusading heart. for I'm, whoever mm-hmm. I'm crusading for. Yeah. Like for know. the troops. Or the, you know, whatever it is. like Yeah, that would be our only reprieve. Yeah. Think about it. As white men from the suburbs, we could only say this troops. one's for the troops. Yeah, we that would be the, There's not there's a lot not, of other ones we can there, go we, for. You can't really be out there crusading much. No. We saw what happened in the, uh, in the 1500s when we started doing that. <laughs> it caused a lot of destruction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, people... to the round table. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I think with all of our history... Um, little bit of a we don't really have a platform to talk any of that stuff, which is totally fine. That's totally know? fine, but we do have a platform to talk about the Consumer Electronics Show, and there's a couple other things that I want to mention here because uh, the, you said there were some pretty ridiculous things. There, there are some pretty ridiculous ones outside of the flying taxis, um, but uh, bathrooms had a big following at the at CES this year. There was a lot of toilet innovation. So it sounds like there's a lot of it people frustrated by their toilet experience which if you are falling into one of those categories we may have the next talk about getting ahead of that yeah you want to you next year at the consumer electronics show just brown underwear (laughs) just brown underwear (laughs) with our innovative technology it's a different color and it's comfortable it's comfortable just brown underwear.com anyways um 
So a lot of cat stuff too, hmm. like weird cat stuff. So, so bathrooms was a big thing and cats. Yep, like a lot of kitty litter box innovation so that like the litter box will desmell the poop or the little little the litter box will clean itself. Hmm. Meaning like there's nothing more than a poopy litter box that that really frustrates your day. Well, I've never I've never really cleaned a litter box because I've never really yeah, had a cat. Cats, yeah. And I have seen shit in a litter box. It's pretty repulsive it's gross it's not it's not it's fun poop on the ground that you that gotta you shovel see. around yeah i mean it's almost as bad as having to pick up the shit after your dog all the time and that's, that's the fun part so we can fun. figure out a vacuum for that thing i'd buy that piece of piece of uh or a, pul- a pulverizer a poop pulverizer a little gun that you would shoot the dog <laughs> shit with and it just goes fizzles into the air like light it on fire or, or turns it it turns into some sort of like compostable like immediate decomposition ray gun that's yeah. what needs to be dog walkers turn yourself into a stormtrooper out there yeah all of a sudden it'd be like yeah do it go for it i want yeah. you to poop right now yeah. i want you i'm ready you'd be shooting you try to shoot it out of the butt because <laughs> the worst thing is when you're walking a dog is if the dog takes a massive poop really far away you got to walk with that whole warm bag the entire way back. <laughs> yeah. And there's no receptacles around. Nope. So Rego. Oh. CES 2021. CES. We're going to have to put in a, a tall order to Japan to figure that one out. Yeah, because that, I don't, we're not th- figuring that one out anytime soon. No, but the there were plenty of other great, I mean, uh, like small robots that mimicked animal-like behaviors that you could cuddle with to reduce loneliness. Hmm. That was kind of odd. Um, the uh, Charmin introduced a robot, which was actually a gimmick. They're not releasing this product, but it is a robot that fetches a new roll of toilet paper, which mm. initially I was disgusted at. Um, obviously, anybody who's been in that situation understands the importance of having that robot in the house. But uh, yeah. if you get a shower there, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, you, you're covered. You're fine. Who needs toilet paper? <laughs> yeah. So um, they're not actually, I saw later when doing some secondary research that they're not releasing this product. It was just to bring awareness to bathroom innovation, mm. which uh, no P&G, better way yeah, to P&G do that really needed to make a splash in the bathroom. Yeah. So um, yeah, because bathroom needs innovating. So they've got this, this Charmin robot. Um, they've got VR glasses for when you're pooping. Hmm. Just so, not regular ones. So bathroom, so you can sit on the toilet and have a VR experience. I don't know what would be different if they put you in the middle of the Himalayas or something. or Because everybody knows how comfortable it is to shit outside amidst, amidst wild animals. You know? Yeah, you I mean, know. Like, I, okay. I mean, uh, I've... And camping trips, it is a little more exciting. It's It's certainly... There's more of a element of uncertainty to it that's for sure (laughs) but i I couldn't quite figure that one out um obviously uh pampers had to come out with the diaper that tells you when there is wetness Mm. in the diaper so for 350 dollars you can say f you to your nose (laughs) instead get a little dial from your phone every single time the baby wets its diaper which I say that now, but who knows? In five years, something like that, you never know if that becomes the standard. It could cost ten dollars. It could cost Moore's ten dollars. Moore's law says it'll cost. Will not be expensive soon. So who knows? Um, here's another one that I thought was just what the f. This is not related to the um, getting uh, off toilets. Oh no, I'm gonna keep going on toilets for a little more because there is a um, toilet bowl illuminator called the glow bowl which is basically an led light that you put in your toilet so that when you have to pee at night you don't miss Hmm. and i was really thinking about that because the light switch really you know has a pretty (laughs) solid monopoly on lighting the bathroom (laughs) but we got a late entrant which is (laughs) and get it's green it's it's a green light so you go in and you pee Bulb. in your green toilet at night. I don't know. Maybe it's easier on the eyes. Whatever. It's just an odd thing that people. Yeah. I uh, feel like there's a solution that's already in place today. Yeah. There's uh, 
Oral-B came out with a plaque identifying toothbrush. So mm. it turns a different color when you're supposedly done brushing your teeth, which I thought was kind of interesting at first. Sure I thought it was a like a, I thought it was like a laser, so it would like shoot the plaque off, but that's apparently maybe No, yeah. A couple of years from now, um Alexa throws her hat into the ring. You can get an Alexa shower head. Hmm. So the porn so game is about to, you, to change. So she can listen to you in the shower. Oh my god. Can you imagine that? Why? And their rationale is because so many people have their best ideas in the shower. First of all, it's a myth. People have their best ideas while laying in bed. Hmm. That's been proven. But um, Alexa, you can buy an Alexa-compatible showerhead, which is is ridiculous to me. I, I can't. Well, they're just trying to stick that device in as many rooms as possible. I know. Just so much recording. Well... And, uh, they can probably identify their next uh, American Idol star through that. Oh, algorithm. I suppose that's what they're mm-hmm. going to be doing is measuring your uh, your like, decibel levels and your congruency with like the the most current pop records. Yeah, like oh, this person's going to be a star. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then finally, we got to throw the AI into the mix. So there was a um, product that. Um, uses excretory behavioral algorithms to track pooping patterns. Hmm. And uh, I can't remember if that was for the cat litter box. I think that was for the cat litter box. So essentially tells you about how frequently your cat's going to take a dump and when you need to clean it and whatever. And maybe they're pushing notifications. I don't know. It's just... It's, I mean, the ultimate goal is so that you the poop comes out and it's clean right away. Apparently, and what I found interesting is how relentless and pedantic we are becoming in the pursuit of comfort. Mm-hmm. And the Consumer Electronics Show is really a example of all of the ridiculous innovation that represents how humans have a relentless desire to not be yeah, there's, uncomfortable. You know, and this is the, you know, unfortunately the easiest comparison is like we don't have clean water in a lot of s- countries. Yeah. Yet yeah. we're trying to have a litter box that literally disintegrates poop for you for you from a before you from have to your touch pet it. in a before you even have to look at it. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild about where priorities are, mm-hmm. you know, but well, unfortunately people buy that stuff and it's just, it's all driven off revenue. Yeah. So if there's a need, who knows, mm-hmm. there's probably a lot more money spent on the litter box market. Oh, I've, I've got a, I've got a great, uh, um, potential present for your next dog or cat's birthday. How about a, heart rate variability monitor that displays an, a color to represent the dog's emotion. Ooh. Yeah. It's a As little... if the tail doesn't do enough. <laughs> now, now you can put a little vest on your animal and it will display a particular color to represent how they're feeling. Hmm. Just in case you're... Have they figured that one out with humans yet or not? I don't know. I, I just know. struggle with how do they know a dog, like how a dog is feeling. Maybe it's, it's gotta easier be pretty for a dog subjective. or something. No, I mean they're using the same heart rate variability stuff that are, people are using for humans too. Mm-hmm. It's just again, you just can, can, there's like, no feedback loop, so there's no way to prove it wrong. Can you imagine how how ridiculous that would be? Oh, imagine training your dog when your dog knew it just had to flip that thing to red to get a treat. You, who's training who? No kidding. Oh my God. Well, it, it goes back to, and I think when you start having a dog, you really start to realize like who's in charge. Is it the dog or you? And there's just this battle where you can go to some friend's house and see like some, some other people are not in charge. It's the yeah. dog. Yep. And I think this is just another example of like, are you making your dog feel sad? Are you like, well, it's like, am I? Am I in charge or is the dog? Mm. I'm going to put on a little jacket so I can be a better servant for my dog because then I'll be able to <laughs> tell if it's angry. Then I know it's hungry. Yeah. It's like, what, what the F? We are... That's one of those things where you're like, okay, that's... that's Which direction are we going? Yeah, that's that's 
de-evolution. Mm-hmm. That's devolvement or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. that's anyway. Um, so that was kind of the another interesting um, uh, invention was a subwoofer vest, so you could wear this like thing. I don't know. It, so it you would, could feel it. Well, it, it would turn your body into a subwoofer, so your body would resonate. The f- it's kind of interesting. Hmm. But that could be pretty trippy if you're going to a concert. It would be very trippy. Or if you just listen to your music really loud in the car and put on ear put in earplugs like I do. Mm-hmm. That's it's poor man's approach right there. Yeah, but it is. Gets gets the job done. Yep. Well, that's all we got for you today, folks. Tune in next week when we'll be back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room. <laughs>